Talking industry, topical debate from the world of engineering, automation, and manufacturing. A DFA Manufacturing Media production. Brought to you by Drives and Controls, the number one engineering magazine for automation, power transmission, and motion control. Visit drivesandcontrols.com. Okay, good morning, and a very warm welcome from Talking Industry. Uh, my name is Andy Pye. I'm consultant editor at uh, DFA Media Group, and we publish a range of print and online publications dedicated to manufacturing and automation. I have four guests with me today, and we will be talking about um, Industrial Internet of Things, or IIoT, digitalization, and industrial communications. Um, digitalization and IIoT represent the next level of automation, um, triggered by the need for higher productivity and greater efficiency. But it necessitates merging traditional automation technology, which is known as OT, and information technology, IT. And it's IIoT that exactly makes that possible. So that's enough acronyms for today. And my speakers will be will be talking us through both the technical and the personnel implications of making that move. Um, so what I'm going to do now is to introduce our speakers briefly in reverse order. Um, so the fourth speaker you'll hear from is Luke Walsh, who's managing director of Brainboxes, and he'll be talking about smart energy monitoring. Uh, how, uh, which is using IIoT, and he's threatening to give us a brief demonstration of, of uh, one of his devices as well. So that's something to look forward to. Prior to that, we have Alejandra Matamoros. Um, she's Technology Manager, Manufacturing Technology Centre. She will discuss, uh, again, the differences between the traditional methods of integrating production systems and what we can now do with IIoT and both the potential and the challenges of making the change. Um, I'm delighted that she uh, hails from Venezuela, which makes her not only our first Venezuelan speaker, which is wonderful, but in fact, our first one from South America. So we now have a full set um, and I'm relying on my colleague Andy, who's behind the scenes there to find me one from Antarctica and then we'll have everything. Um, so I look forward to Alejandra's um, presentation. In second place, we'll have uh, the sales and marketing director of Novatech, which is Chris Barlow. And he is going to share what he describes as a hard one understanding of, of how data works, data flow, data generation, data management, data usage um, in a modern digitalized system. So that, uh, that will be very interesting and it will highlight potential conflicts for money and people um, as you make those changes and first and very much not least um, Jean-Paul Verheilevegen and he's global sales manager of MB Connect Line um, this is an IT security company which was acquired by Red Lion Controls in 2022 and some of you who've been on previous calls may well be aware that uh, Red Lion have, have appeared on a number of occasions in our past talking industry and he's going to talk about the two parts to the IIoT project um, so how do you meld together people with IT knowledge 
um, who may not understand the data acquisition side and people with an OT profile um, who um, will have difficulties with the things that need some level of IT competence, such as managing cloud systems and so on, and how to get those two heads together. So uh, without further ado, um, I shall hand over to Jean-Paul. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Andy, for uh, inviting me today, inviting us today. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I'm uh, Jean-Paul Verreleweg, and I joined our industry nearly 20 years ago. For the records, that was uh, <clears throat> when major suppliers were pushing uh, their customers to move from old serial networks to an integrated Ethernet architecture. And, and before that, I was working in the printing industry. And that one went also uh, through a technology-driven transformation. The technology back then was uh, in the 90s, and it was desktop publishing. And it had a huge impact on, on people's workflow and, and habits. Today, when I look at our industry, the technology is IT in the sense IT communication, and it affects already uh, the way we connect, access, or, or visualize production data. And we're really going through exciting times now, as it, it is and it will be uh, affecting the way we work in a, in a durable way. Now, it has to be said, IT communication does not bring only good things to our industry. Um, our OT equipment is now connected, which means it's reachable, which means that its vulnerabilities uh, are more accessible and, and easier to exploit. But, but that's maybe a, a different topic. Um, as you explained, when, when I look at uh, industrial IoT, I see two parts in that project. Um, <clears throat> I see... Um, the, the first part about collecting data in the field from a variety of, of OT devices, scale it, process it, and then push it to a higher system. That can be a cloud or an MES if we are in a factory. The, the second part is about creating value out of that data and distribute that value to users. It's actually two different sets of skills that are required for, for each part. Um, people with an IT knowledge may have difficulties with data acquisition from the field. People with a more OT profile may have difficulties with cloud systems, value creation or distribution, because the tools that are used uh, there require indeed more, more specific IT competences. So the challenge that I see in the digitalization journey is very similar to the one that I see in IoT projects. It, it is to organize cooperation between expert people who have a limited level of technical understanding in the other part uh, of the project. And you will need to, to drive the project towards non-technical objectives here, value creation. So um, <clears throat> definitely for digitalization, I would say think big but then scale it into small steps like, like on the ladder. Uh, if the steps are too big, you won't make it and, and it will be uneasy and, and you might fall. Um, um, you know, besides the industry, I have a passion for, for coaching. Um, and the coach in me would say, um, don't start small, start smart. Uh, smart standing for specific, measurable, achievable, <laughs> realistic, and, and in a timely way. Um, because in the end, it is people who will do the actual digitalization journey. 
and they need to believe in, in every step they make. So digitalization is a team trail. Um, so I, I believe in empowering uh, OT people. I believe in truly verticalized products, uh, products that will harness the complexity of IT communication and IT security, and that will allow OT staff to operate safely and autonomously in their new connected environment. Um, so it's, it's no surprise that I'm working with MB Connect Line and Red Line Controls because that's precisely the sort of products you will find in their catalog. Excellent. Thank, thank you very much, Jean-Paul. That's a very good introduction. And um, I will now um, open this up for, for a discussion. But the way we work is that after each presentation, we have some uh, some discussions involving all the panelists. Um, my my question for Jean-Paul, and I'll ask all of our panelists, is do you see this as a temporary issue? Um, will education systems um, bring the two um, closer together over a period of time, or do you see this um, being an ongoing problem? Um, an ongoing problem, no, because there is a lot to win uh, in, in solving this. Um, education, I don't know, but I see already in larger factories, um, people with an IT background who are directly involved in the maintenance of the, <clears throat> of the production. So there are, there are OT engineers who have uh, IT skills and take care of, uh, um, um, of, of regular IT tasks. Um, <clears throat> like network management or, um, or, or user management, they're, they're autonomous in that. Uh, what's missing, I, see, I, I believe, is um, uh, tools for people with less IT knowledge um, or, or less of those specific competences. Um, we're missing tools to, um, to, to have OT people to give OT people more autonomy in uh, in managing their the, the IT part of their connected and industry, um, it's coming. Um, there are there are products that are more verticalized um, that that harness already the complexity. Uh, I see that with uh, um, with interfaces for for managed switches designed for the industry, um, like with uh, red line controls. I see that with um, some uh, so, some products that that manage remote access in a more secured way. Um, so it it's coming. Engineering is already on its way. Excellent. Um, well, let me throw this to Luke um, and see what your experiences are. Um, in your customer base um, in terms of the way um, those customers are um, addressing the, the IIoT issue. Sure. Uh, thanks, Andy. Um, well, first of all, my, I totally agree with everything John Paul said, uh, but just to go back a few years, um, a few years ago, I was in the uh, television industry. And at that time, there was a term called HD Ready. And I was working technical support for a major TV brand. And I was getting lots of phone calls from customers saying, how do I get my HD signal to my TV? There was all kinds of connections from the box to the TV. There was SCART, there was Component, there was S-Video, there was HDMI. And customers were very, very confused. And it's the same issue we've got today in, in this industry with IoT. There's lots of ways to do it. Some of the ways don't work. Um, some of the ways kind of work with caveats. Some of the ways only work in certain situations. 
And I think in a few years from now, we, we'll forget all about these issues we're having today. Um, today, if you want HD on your TV, you don't even think about it. You you buy your TV, and sometimes you don't even need to plug a box into it anymore. It's just there. Um, but if you do need to plug a box in, there's only one type of connection, and you plug it in, and you're pretty much guaranteed to get what you want straight away. And so we, we see these same challenges today uh, with IoT in the industrial environment. There, there is a split between OT technology and IT technology, and both sides are trying to work with each other to understand how do I connect one side to the other. There's lots of different ways to do it. There's lots of different protocols. There's lots of different connections, different signals, different voltage levels, different machinery. And so all those same struggles exist, just on a much grander scale, to be quite honest. Um, and so when we get technical calls today here at Brain Boxes, uh, we we kind of have to understand what the customer setup is in order to understand, okay, what's the next step for them to take to move their system forward? Uh, but I am sure five years from now, it will be a non-issue um, and, and less customers come to us with old machinery. Now, that, that's the major difference between the commercial world and the industrial world. Uh, in the industrial world, people want their machines to last for multiple decades. In the commercial world with televisions, if you get four or five years out of a television, you, you, you're quite happy. So the, the turnover of equipment is the, the main barrier to, to moving forward quickly. Thank you. Um, Alejandra, do you want to uh, comment at this point? Um, we've got some interesting questions coming in, but I'll, I'll just save them for a minute until you've had a chance to speak. Sure, I can do that. Thanks, Andy. And uh, I pretty much agree with all what has been said. Uh, and this particular point around the, the plug and play aspects and, and, and the ambition that we have to see in the future devices in the industrial domain also having those capabilities for actually easing the way that things are implemented is, is, is definitely an ambition. But, but I will say also it's a, it's a really long-term ambition, even though we, that we see things that are actually happening uh, up to certain points with certain devices, say IoT sensors with specific capabilities. But if we think about the, the wider um, industrial application and the, the wider domain, so we talked about the longevity of equipment, uh, but also we need to think about the longevity of those uh, systems or infrastructures of connected systems. So that's what we need to start thinking about um, the, the redefinition of OT and IT, not from the organizational perspective as well, because if we think about IT, IT, they have their own priorities from an enterprise perspective. OT, they have their own priorities from the operational perspective. And merging all of that together in terms of priorities and how that enterprise and operational uh, perspective is all combined in, in the same priorities is one thing that they, we foresee that is the direction for actually making this happen and making that established within the industrial domain. Yeah, so that, that's a very good answer. And it, it actually touches on one of the questions that's been coming in since you uh, you started speaking, which is which is the issue of how, how digitalization throws up challenges in a company to get everyone in the company on board. And that's, that's a key thing that I think we'll discuss in more detail as we go on, but um, just Chris to uh, to complete the circuit, if you'd like to uh, comment on what you've heard so far. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Andy. Um, yeah, I think I think to Luke's point in his uh, closing remarks, really, the um, I think what we find is I suppose the different 
kind of vintages between the the equipment in the OT space versus versus the IT space. Um, and I guess really the challenge is then with getting that equipment up to certainly in the OT space up to modern standards where even some of the connectivity is a little bit more up to date. I mean, we're still we're still seeing systems that are 30 plus years old with um, serial connectivity and, uh, you know, legacy protocols and those kind of things, really. Um, and I guess from from an IT perspective, where there's a very sort of different discipline or a, a maybe, a, uh, you know, a very different approach where um, everything is refreshed much more frequently, the technology is much more up to date. And I suppose the, the latest standards are, are adopted and applied to push those down into uh, the OT space where where the equipment, um, you know, some of it might might be as old as I am, really, to get those two things to come together. Um, He's, he's certainly presenting a challenge and a, I suppose maybe the different ways that people that maybe spend more time in the OT space or are more responsible for OT equipment think that maybe differently than those in IT and just really getting everyone kind of on the same page really and thinking thinking along the same um, you know along the same theme. You mentioned the the issue of legacy systems you know and, and uh, um, is that a particular problem in the UK? Uh, or are other countries more inclined to uh, to be investing in um, in more modern equipment and and not to have to deal with that issue? Would you say? Um, I mean, most of my experience is in is 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 in the UK. Um, we do and and have worked in in Europe as well, and um, also Southeast Asia and other places like that. But I think um, yeah, I think um, one of the things I was going to say in my um, um, in my in my little sort of pitch later really was just about the investment in manufacturing. I think I I heard on a webinar about twelve months ago that the investment in in manufacturing in the UK is at its lowest point since the end of the war or something. It's something something ridiculous that you can't actually believe is true. But I think that's um, you know that's what I heard, and I think the. I think the experience is that maybe um, the the OT equipment or the or the systems that that kind of typically, let's say, sit in the OT space certainly don't don't get the same level level of investment as equipment that sits in the IT space. Um, often gets disregarded. The kind of the sort of make do and mend mentality really that if it's not broken, then why why change it? So mm. yeah, I think I think that 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 probably is true that there maybe is um, more investment that could go in to manufacturing in the UK. You have a, a, a European perspective, Jean-Paul. Is, is, uh, how do you see that, the, the answer to that question? I would say it's similar everywhere. You, you will find differences, but uh, um, in the industry, you have a machine, the machine is paid, uh, the, um, the machine still works nicely. Uh, people are trained with that machine, they know how to handle it. Uh, you bring in a new machine because you need it for production, you need some of its new features, but you keep the old machine most of the time because people uh, are used to work with that machine, there is a know-how. Um, it will take time to bring um, people to to uh, to work with the, the the new machine and be as confident with it. So that's maybe one of the reasons. If you look at infrastructure, yeah, um, I, I've seen a deployment that takes more than ten years, and legacy systems that are twenty, even even twenty five years old, uh, even thirty years old in in the field. So um, yeah, we're we're really on a different uh, time scale here. 
much more uh, conservative uh, or um, we, we have to work with uh, more legacy systems in, in, the, in the industry. Okay, well, let's go, let's move on now to Chris's uh, presentation on the, on the issues we're surrounding data management, data flow and so on. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Um, so hi, hi everyone. Um, so my, my name is Chris Barlow, I'm the Sales and Markets Director of Novatech Solutions. Um, we're a systems integrator, um, largely specialising in the delivery of what we call IT compliant OT solutions. Um, sorry about the siren there that you might be able to hear in the background. Um, and um, we certainly recognise the challenges with, with the convergence between IT and OT and what that's presented in a kind of manufacturing um, software context. Um, I've been in systems integration for about 25 years now, um, and with the background I have from a more um, from a more technical nature um, at, at Novatech, I'm largely responsible for making sure the solutions that we propose meet customers' requirements and use the right mix of products. We're um, you know we're very much product first, um, bringing those components together so that um, things like systems and things have got um, a great deal of longevity and um, are, re are really compliant. Um, over the last few years, we've, we've sort of seen and heard lots about um, IIoT and the potential benefits to manufacturing. But really, when we ponder what role IIoT plays in manufacturing um, and how the potential benefits can then be turned into, into tangible results, it then throws up lots of questions and um, lots of challenges as well. Um, so from, from a personal perspective, um, I've, I've been involved in lots of discussions where I think IIoT may be seen as a panacea, um, but I think the reality is without tangible use cases, it, it almost becomes a solution looking for a problem um, and its value certainly gets called into question very quickly, um, especially as the costs of, of things like pilot projects and those first implementations really start to escalate, which then then has people asking where does where does it fit then if it's going to be expensive and it really is this kind of um, this kind of solution looking for a problem where does it where does it fit and add some value so um, then we start to think about we we get questioned around whether we should use IIoT to replace SCADA or whether it's a better replacement for MES um, and really customers saying, do we need all of these individual systems? Why can't we just use IIoT? Surely that can that can do all of these things. But I think really what I'd say to what I'd say to those, uh, you know, to those customers um, really is that um, those individual systems are really designed to perform a dedicated task um, and they they have kind of critical or they're critical to operational performance. Um, so SCADA systems, for example, that's about real-time visualization and, um, and, and, and control of manufacturing systems, and that capability may not be there with IIoT systems, certainly that, that kind of real-time control element. Um, and MES, on the other hand, is about bridging things like business systems and control systems and managing people and processes and all of the data involved in transforming raw materials into finished goods. And Maybe IIoT can maybe fulfill some of those functions, but I think um, if you were to use an IIoT platform to try to develop a custom MES from scratch, while in the beginning that might seem like a cost-effective way of going, I think over the long term you would certainly find that a much more expensive route 
and probably not really achieve the outcome that you would if you were using purpose-built products for, for those applications. So I think really the message there is not, not, not to go looking for systems to replace, but maybe um, it's more about consolidating the systems that you have uh, or augmenting functionality um, of those systems um, and really trying to find a way of, um, I suppose, finding something innovative and unique that the um, II, IIoT platform can be used for in terms of maybe delivering some value back to the business and um, a more cost-effective way of doing that without necessarily looking to, to sort of rip out systems and replace them with, um, you know, with something like IIoT. Um, I'll just share a quick um, slide, if I may, just to uh, wrap yeah. up uh, pictorially. Um, I hope that's the slide deck that's now on the uh, that's now on the screen. So I think, yeah, back to this um, this use case driven um, sort of idea, really, what I was um, really trying to get across with this slide is that um, the the kind of existing systems that we have right now that we typically see in our um, in our manufacturing environments, this um, ISA 95 model on the left hand side, I'm not really sure that we want to think of IIoT as fitting into one of these layers and maybe then therefore replacing some of the some of the systems or capabilities in those layers. It's really about being something that can is able to consolidate information and um, and to bring to bring data in from those systems and to solve specific use cases that may not not be there um, from those systems that you have. So either whether it's just aggregating systems together to share data or it's around, in, um, around improving overall um, the overall system system performance or individual asset performance, maybe things like predictive maintenance. We hear a lot about that these days, and that's certainly a use case, use case for IIoT. And, and outcomes really there that we're looking for is, is obviously things like increased uptime, improved inventory management, more efficient uh, use of energy and those sorts of things. Um, and then back to the the point I made uh, earlier, just in terms of investment, I think um, if we're looking at ways of improving the the operational performance of our of our manufacturing facilities, knowing that the investment in those legacy systems is not always there to replace those systems, then maybe um, uh, maybe IIoT offers a significant advantage in terms of augmenting those systems and and therefore delivering some real value on top of uh, those systems that may that may already be there. Yeah, I mean, this is very interesting, isn't it? Because because on one hand, you know, the, there's there's the suggestion that, that the way to implement is to go for small steps, as Jean Paul mm -hmm. was saying earlier. And yet, a lot of these small steps are actually pretty self-reliant. They are. So, um, how do you how do you create a business benefit or a, a business plan that shows a benefit, a tangible benefit, as one of our questioners has just said? when you can't take the small steps but you've got to take a more holistic view of the whole the whole business and that means looking not at small steps but a but a big plan so how how do you um how do you marry all those potential conflicts would you say and and this is a question i'll i'll pass around in a moment yeah i think i think from my experience um from what we've seen um, so far, then, for those use cases that that work, um, it's not it's not very easy to go into a conversation with a customer with a almost with an IIoT sales pitch and 
um, and go to talk to those about the things that you, some of the problems that you know that IIoT may be capable of solving because they, those problems may not, be, may not be relevant for that individual customer. So I think really listening and understanding what, what some of their pains are and um, maybe understanding the systems that they already have in place and maybe whether there's elements of um, really consolidating and aggregating data from those systems to then solve a use case that may not have, have even have even been considered so far. Um, I know, you know, for, for kind of years and years, we've, we've looked at things like reporting as ways of bringing information in from, um, you know, from disparate systems and to presenting information in a consistent way. Um, but that's usually kind of one directional. Well, what if we could actually make those, um, that type of information a little bit more bi-directional and push information back to systems and therefore reduce the level of data entry that may go on. I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of processes that require information to be taken from one system and keyed into another. Um, that's obviously prone to error. You know, people can people can make mistakes and um, you know get get things wrong there. It's it's kind of inefficient. You're tying up resource in that process when they could be better utilized for something else. So maybe as a really simple use case, it's about maybe bridging gaps between systems and reducing um, some of that manual data entry or um, some of that error prone, you know, um, sort of keying of information really, and just having some, some simple consolidation. And then of course you go right to the other end where we, we can talk about things like predictive maintenance and, and augmented reality and all of those sorts of things. But I think from what I've found so far is really the, um, you know, the best opportunities um, are those that, the, the 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 kind of customers almost answer their own question if that if that makes sense once you get into a conversation around around IIoT they kind of bubble to the surface and uh, largely present themselves. Mm. Luke, what's your view on on uh, small steps or big holistic plans? Um, I I think I think ultimately um, the guys who work on the shop floor they know typically what the issues are. The guys who work in the accounts department, they know where what they're doing doesn't meet up with what is going on in the rest of the business. And so often, but also the, these members of staff, they can be skeptics of technology, right? We, we've all had projects thrust upon us, which we don't want. Um, and so the, before you can choose between a, a holistic approach or a piecemeal approach, you, you need to convert your staff from maybe digital skeptics to, towards being digital champions. and that you, you can't do this overnight. You have to do this in a slow, measured approach, unfortunately. So, I, you know, I could impose a new uh, company-wide system here today, but it would take months before it was embedded. And during all that time, it may not even go well. And people will be pining for the old ways of doing things, even if they're not as efficient as the new, the, new, the so-called new way of doing things. So, uh, yeah, what, what we try to do here is do start small because you won't get the buy-in from everyone unless you can see some results. Uh, and a really simple way of doing this. So we we did a, a project in a factory many years ago now where the maintenance staff were super skeptical of what we were doing. They, they thought, oh, here comes another company trying to monitor some aspects of what we know all about already. Um, so we put in some very simple monitoring and actually the maintenance staff realized it showed them that the night shift weren't as busy as the night shift claimed they were being. 
And so the maintenance staff suddenly were on our side because for the first time they could go to the night shift with hard evidence and say, look, we can do the maintenance at night because you're not that busy. And so, you know, we could have started with a big project, but we'd have never got that initial win. And we'd have never been in the position then to move forward with the project with uh, the people on the ground on your side. And it's, it's almost not worth embarking on a big project unless you can find the, the steps you need to take to get buy-in from the team. Uh, so so that's, that's always been our view. You do need a champion within the organization who will push this thing forward. And a champion doesn't, they don't necessarily exist on the first day you arrive to do a project. You need to find that person who gets a win that they can move forward with. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that, that's, that's our view. Um, yeah, we're, like I say, we've all had projects where the, the aspirations of the project were great, but the outcomes were really uh, poor. And so we, you want to avoid that at all costs. Thank you for listening to Talking Industry. Stay tuned across all podcast apps, follow us on social, subscribe to our newsletters, and keep up to date at talkingindustry.org.